Hello, I'm Todd Lester, pastor of Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church. We would like to welcome you to a very special time in the life of our church history. We are celebrating our 233rd anniversary. I'm so thankful to have with me today our church historian, David Nance. David and I last year did a question and answer session right in this very sanctuary, the chapel of our old church. And I'm so thankful today that David is going to be sharing with us on a walking tour some high points of what God has done throughout the years in this wonderful church. So David, thank you so much for being here today. And I'm excited to go on this tour and I pray that you would stay with us as I think you'll find this to be very uplifting and very informative. And I pray very moving for you and your family to see God's hand through the years of how he has brought us to where we are today. But at this time, David, if you would just share with us what God has put on your heart. Thank you, Todd. It's a special time, Homecoming 233. Uh, homecoming brings us all together to once again remember what God has done as he's worked through the Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church. As we, uh, COVID has uh, affected a lot of things, not only our personal lives, our family lives, and uh, our church, but it's also affected uh, our homecoming celebration. This is non-traditional right here, so bear with us. Uh, as Todd said, hopefully you'll find this uplifting and informative as you see a little bit, as we give you a little hint of what God has done through the forks over its 233 years. We're standing, as Todd mentioned, we're standing in the chapel. This meeting house was built in 1947. It was the second meeting house on this site. The first meeting house was commonly referred to as the Sampy House. Uh, Dr. John R. Sampy was our pastor when the original meeting house was built here in 1912. And we worshiped here from then until 1943, when tragically a fire burned the Sampy house to the ground. Due to the uh, shortage of resources during World War II, we were unable to rebuild until 1947. If you could peel back the walls to look at the, the framework underneath, a lot of that framework came from another church, Grassy Springs, that had closed and was being demolished. And the materials from that site were repurposed to build, to build the chapel here. 10 years after we moved in, the church purchased beautiful stained glass windows that adorned the sanctuary and the foyer. Uh, each, each stained glass window has a story, and we don't have time today to go into all of them. But if you're interested, give me a call, and we'll go into more detail later on. But stained glass windows are a major part of our history. 
25 years later, after the stained glass windows were uh, installed, fire broke out in this building. The fire started in the basement. It burned through the floor right in front of the pulpit. It was a very hot fire. When the firemen got here from, from Midway, the paint was already peeling off the front doors. They weren't sure how they were going to fight it. When they finally got into the building to put it out and started with their hoses down the center aisle, the flames had already burned out underneath the floor and two of them went into the basement. Luckily, they were uninjured. A third one going in to help them out had the ceiling collapse on top of him and it knocked him out. And it was only for burning embers on his, the back of his neck that it woke him and he got out. So it was a very hot fire. It was a very dangerous fire. But the firemen put it out. And when the smoke cleared and all the ashes were removed and all the soot was removed, the stained glass windows were untouched. Not a single crack, uh, no breakage. And very easily the firemen could have broken the window out trying to fight the fire. The fire itself could have, could have been, it was intense, it could have blown the windows out. A single drop from the hoses could have caused the glass to crack. Yet God protected the windows as a reminder that he's in charge, he's in control, and he's always here. We had a third fire here. Um, forks in the mid-90s had fallen on hard times. Um, there were times when they weren't even sure whether their, the doors would remain open. Uh, they took a chance on, uh, they, they spent a lot of time in prayer and uh, decided and, and were led by God to bring a, a youth pastor in. And Todd Lester was, became our 50th pastor in the history of our church. That was in 1998. And after that, he started, God started a revival. And soon the pews were full. We went to a second service. Pews were full for both services. Chairs went up in the aisles. They were filled. Broadcast was, or the services were broadcast down in the basement. That was full. It was time to build. So revival fire uh, closed uh, eventually closed this building as we moved across the road into the new church. Initial plans were to add to the back of this church, but those plans were not approved with the uh, planning and zoning. Uh, no one would sell us the additional land we needed in order to expand. So we were landlocked and we were stuck. But God provided a way out. And Aubrey and Virginia Hill uh, offered to sell seven acres across the road and that would soon become our new home. So this is the chapel. It's a very special place to, to me because this is where I first attended in 2000. 
Brother Todd baptized me back there in 2001, and I've been here ever since. And uh, it, it'll always be a special place to me. So this is our first point. Thank you so much, David. As a side note, maybe you're interested or maybe not, when I proposed to my wife, Kelly, it was here at this altar where I would pray for the service on Saturday night, laying face down, begging for God's Holy Spirit to anoint this place so that when people came in, they would feel its presence and know they're on holy ground. And so it was not on a Saturday night, but on a Sunday night before my wife was going on a trip to Texas that I had her ring underneath this first pew. And I asked Tilly to pray with me for, since she was gonna be out of town, to pray with me for the next Sunday service. And I wasn't on one knee, but lying face down <laughs> on the ground that I proposed and asked Tilly to be my wife. And she thankfully, <laughs> said yes, and we're going to be celebrating our 20th anniversary coming up in July. But I just threw that in as a little extra tidbit that is special for us as well because this is where I proposed to my wife. So I'm excited now, David, to continue on and, and see how else God has moved in the life of this church. This uh, pain of the uh, Lord's Supper is one of the remnants of the 1982 fire. After the fire was over with, it was uh, covered with soot, thought it was damaged beyond repair. It was taken down and was going into the trash heap when church historian Don Brumbach grabbed it, rescued it, took it home, cleaned it up, and restored it back to its original uh, shape and it was placed back up um, over the entrance to the sanctuary. So that's just a reminder again of the uh, 1982 fire and again what God has done to restore the forks. David, one of the things that was special for me that when Forks asked me to be pastor back in 1998, before I had actually officially started, which was on July 5th, Forks was celebrating homecoming and as part of the homecoming festivities activities this historical marker was placed and tell us about this marker it's to me this is another example of, of God at work God's hand on the forks uh, you have to remember what uh, forks was like at that time, membership had declined to a very low level. Uh, things were a bit of a struggle. But historian Don Brumbach, it had been laid on his heart to try to get a historical mark for, for the church. And he had a bit of a struggle because not only were these markers, they weren't cheap, we didn't have a lot of money. But also the historical society was not very uh, encouraging about doing markers for churches unless they had deep historical significance. 
So Don had to convince them. We had to raise the money. And it all came together in time for Homecoming 210. And that was the unveiling that you attended. What I find very interesting about this historical marker is it tells a couple stories. First, Don penned the words that covers our history from our origin of 1788 up through 1998, the first 210 years. What we didn't know when the marker came back, and it wasn't on Don's, uh, Don didn't include it, was this number here is 1998. 1998, as Todd mentioned, is when God led our 50th pastor here to Forks. More significantly, there's another number here, 2003. That number was placed there by the Historical Society because this is the 2003rd historical marker erected in Kentucky. That program's been going on for years and years and years, and they finally worked up to 2003. As it turns out, after revival broke out here in the chapel, we had to move, we had to grow. We moved across the street and the year that we did it was 2003. So I believe since God is in control of time that he wrote, he worked it all out so that he added our next chapter onto this marker so that we might never forget. And that's why it's special to me. I love it. I love it. Let's see what else God has done through the history here at Forks. We walked across the street from our chapel across the road into our new building. And David, tell us about where we are right now. Well, Todd, we're in the, in the foyer of the, new of the new building. And most people wouldn't think of this as a historically significant area. But from where we left, the sanctuary of the chapel, if you could, if God's hand could come down and, and lift the sanctuary up, he could sit right here in this area and have a foot all the way around. That gives you some idea of where he's brought us from. The church fit in that building here. We can now, uh, that would fit in this location here. So it, to me, it's significant. And what's also special, David, is through the years, ever since coming from across the street here, when people have come through these doors into this foyer, I've heard it many, many times. As soon as we walk through the doors, they say, I feel an excitement, an energy, an electricity. And I say, what you feel is the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Lord. As soon as they walk through these doors, so we give God all the glory that even in this foyer, the people can feel the presence of the Lord and His Spirit. Let's move on to our next site. David, we've moved from our foyer into the sanctuary. Tell us about where we are right now. The sanctuary has several uh, interesting 
points about it. When we moved in here from the chapel, uh, we got quite a bit of additional space. We went from approximately 200 seats to over 700. The balcony around the sanctuary holds more people than the chapel holds. Um, and even with that, we had to go to two services. So God has blessed us. In addition, uh, there's several other things that uh, I'd like to point out that I believe is significant. First of all, the church Bible. If you turn to the back of it, you'll find a list of the pastors over, over time. I think that's pretty significant. On the communion table for homecoming, you'll see a special floral arrangement, and that's that will be 50 carnations to represent the 50 pastors over our 233 years. The pulpit, what people don't realize is that uh, each and every Sunday that Brother Todd takes the pulpit and delivers the word, he's breaking the record for the most uh, sermons delivered by Fork's pastor. He broke the record several years ago and each and every Sunday he continues to, to break that record. Above the baptistry, I think is striking. And when, uh, when baptisms take place, it, it really makes it special with the highlight and the elevation that, that uh, this baptistry provides. Above it is a stained glass window. Now, when we first moved in here, uh, that didn't come with the church. We added it four years later. The, the uh, window, which shows Christ's birth, death, resurrection, and ascension, was added four years after. Again, talking about or showing God's timing, when we put that in, or when that was installed, that was 50 years after the windows were installed in the little church. Mm and 25 years after God saved him in the fire. So once again, he used his timing to make things perfect. I think it's interesting that we wanted to make sure when that stained glass was put in, that the gospel was told, the birth and the crucifixion, the resurrection and the ascension. So if they don't hear a word I say, they can see the gospel presented even on the stained glass. Right. One other, one other point. For uh, the homecoming, when those windows were put in, we had a very special homecoming speaker that year. Uh, Walter Hickman from Omaha, Nebraska, uh, delivered the message, and his brother Robert sang special music that day. It was a very special day because the Hickmans are direct descendants of our founding uh, father and first pastor, Reverend William Hickman. So they agreed to come back and celebrate homecoming with us. They also, not only were, were uh, not only did they bless us with their message and their presence, 
But they also gave us this, which is a picture of their great-great-grandfather, mm -hmm. Reverend William Hickman. This was given to them by a church in Virginia called Skin Quarter Church, which was the first church that William Hickman uh, started back uh, in the 1770s. So when they went to preach homecoming there, the church presented them with this and they presented it to us for us to keep, to remember their great, great, great grandfather. That's so neat, David, and how God blessed us with the Hickmans here on that day. And I'm excited to see what's next, and I hope you are too. Stay with us as we continue to see some high points of what God has done. Now, David, we find ourselves in a hallway coming out of our sanctuary and headed down the hall. What's so significant about where we're standing right now? Well... You wouldn't think a transition from carpet to, to flooring would be historically significant. But if you know Forks history, you know that when we moved into this building, this was the building. This was the outside wall of the building. This was the exit and the portico extended out that way and there was parking outside. As God grew this church, we had to expand and that led to the, uh, the building of the cross center and we added children's the wing. children's wing. We added the youth area, uh, center, educational area, and the music suite along with the cross center itself. So this is kind of the dividing line between where we were when God brought us here and where he has taken us. I love that. You know, we've prayed that prayer of Jabez through the years. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge our territory. And uh, we're so thankful that he's enlarged our territory. And we'll be talking more about that in just a few minutes. But let's move on to the next side. David, we were just standing at what you said was the end of the building before building. You want to show us what we have here in the hallway in the new addition? Sure will, Todd. This is one of my favorite places in the new building because as a history buff, this mm -hmm. is our history, all laid out on the walls. Um, the first picture that we have here is of the old, our old new, new church. church. <laughs> <laughs> and in that picture, you can see the portico where we were just describing back mm -hmm. at our last stop. So that gives you an idea of what we moved into. This picture here is where we just came, or where we started today at the chapel. And again, this is where we worship from 1947 through 2003. The building is still used for a variety of purposes. Um, until this addition was made that the youth used it, um, among other groups, uh, since we've added the cross center and, and uh, they've gotten their own area. Other um, support groups have used it. Community groups, weddings, funeral chapel. Mm -hmm. So even though we don't worship there, the, the chapel is still serving God and his purpose. 
Todd, this picture here is of the Sampy, what was referred to as the Sampy House. It was, uh, it originally stood where the chapel is. It was uh, a very impressive building considering at the time it was built in 1912, it was out in the middle of open country. This was nothing but farmland, nothing around us, but a train station and, and a few houses. So to build a church out in essentially the middle of nowhere that seated 300 and it too had a balcony, it had 13 rooms and it was built for the grand sum of $9,000. Wow. Uh, most of which uh, Dr. Sampy raised outside the church. Mm -hmm. So uh, forks, so God worked through others to provide us the meeting house that we were in from 1912 to 1943. That's so cool. This picture here is where it all started, the John Major house. John Major was a, a, a pioneer settler in the area, and he, along with uh, one of his neighbors, decided that they needed to um, they needed to bring preacher to this area. Souls were important even back then, especially back then because we were still dealing with hostile tribes and things like that. So that that hunted in the area. So they uh, set out to get or to ask Reverend Hickman to move from the safety of. Uh, Marble Creek Church, which is now over in Jessamine County, uh, south of Lexington, and come to the edge of the frontier to start a church. Hickman had uh, nothing but a promise and the guidance from the Lord. He had no, no meeting house, no congregation, uh, a hostile environment, a large family that he was bringing them into. He had a lot of things going against uh, making the move, but the Lord led him here, and uh, that's where it started, and as they say, the rest is history. I love it, and this original building still stands. Yes. If you were to go down Country Lane into the entrance of Two Creek Subdivision, over to the left on Glenary Farm, mm -hmm. uh, our original building uh, continues to stand. I, I think that's a neat yes. thing, that it still exists. Mm -hmm as we as a church still exist as well. David, what's next on our tour? Let's go to the library. Okay. David, tell us about where we're standing right now. Todd, we're in the library. This was a great addition that came to the church as a result of the building of the Cross Center. Um, here, as you look around, you can see just tons of tremendous resources that are available to the members of the church. Um, on these shelves, you'll probably find a copy or two of this book, The Forks of Elkhorn Church. This was written by Miss Darnell back in the 40s, shortly after the fire. And it goes through the history of the Franklin County area, Forks, and the genealogies and histories of the families that made up the Forks throughout the years. It's a tremendous resource, not only for understanding our church, but also the development of Kentucky, 
and for genealogy research. And we get calls all the time of people tracing their roots back here and want to know more. And this is the first place we go to is Miss Darnell's book. In addition, there was another book written by uh, our church historian Don Brumbach back in 2002. And it gives a little different perspective and fills in some of the, the holes from the time Miss Darnell stopped her penning and uh, the, the history went on. So these are available uh, here and uh, I encourage those who are interested to take advantage of it and dig a little deeper. David, I think out in the hallway outside the library, you have another interesting fact about our former library across the street. Let's go out and take a look at that. Todd, we're standing here with our library from the chapel across the road. Back when we worshiped over there, this was it. Now, the significance of this is that during the fire, 1982 fire that we mentioned, um, it didn't fare very well. The firemen, this was one of the pieces of furniture the firemen threw out the back in order to fight the fire. Um, when the smoke had cleared and we were trying to pick up the pieces, this is one of the things that we had to pick up the pieces too. Um, it probably should have gone to the trash heap, but Steve Herrick just couldn't see that being its final uh, uh, result. So he loaded up the pieces in the bushel baskets and took them home. And he, along with uh, Frank Music, who uh, was shop teacher at Franklin County High, put the pieces back together and restored her back to her uh, previous glory. And now we use it here. And it's a reminder. Uh, to me, it's a reminder of what God does for each of us. He can take the broken pieces and with his skilled hands, put them back together into something purpose, purposeful for what he wants and for his, uh, for his uh, honor and his glory. So this is just another reminder of our rich history and what God has done for us. Man, that's a sermon that will preach. <laughs> and I love that. And I thank you for sharing that. David, let's move on over to our cross center. Todd, as we move through the area, one of the things I wanted to point out are these pews. These pews came from the chapel and they've been restored, recovered. And if you go back and look at the beginning of our, our walking tour, you'll notice that they're the same colors uh, as the pews over there. So that's just a little connection between our past and our, our present. And these pews are along the hallways here in the second floor of the cross center. And so it's a neat reminder of where we have come from and how God has brought us to where we are. David, I think I hear something going on through these doors. Let's find out what's happening over here. Let's go. David, we walk through the doors and we find ourselves in the cross center. Tell us a little bit about the Cross Center. 
Well, this is the centerpiece of um, this expansion, this recent expansion, and this is uh, this is where it happens. Uh, this has been the site of everything from basketball games to pickleball games that you see in the background, volleyball. It's been used for youth sports, uh, high school sports, on and on and on. We've had a major archery event here where over 1,200 uh, people participated in that. It's Brazilian also dancing. Right. We've, <laughs> yeah, we've had ours there. Uh, but also, uh, it's been a conference center for the annual devoted conference and so god has used this this facility for a variety of different things and and the future looks bright as we go forward amen let's go downstairs and see what's going on one question okay what does cross stand for i'm glad you asked obviously the cross is a reminder of what jesus has done for us david but we wanted people when they came to this building to be pointed to the cross, but it's also a, an acrostic for Christian recreation, outreach, strengthening souls. So we want them to be built up in body, mind, and soul or spirit. So uh, I'm thankful that we can have the cross center here for the whole community and surrounding communities. Let's find out what's going on downstairs. David, we walked down from the walking track upstairs down to the foyer of our cross center. Tell us about where we are right now. Uh, we're at the entrance to the cross center. This is, uh, this is where it happens. Behind those doors there is the gymnasium that you saw part of earlier. And upstairs, we where we've shown before is the music suite, the educational area, and the youth areas. Uh, this is, like I said, where it happens. These doors here, uh, next to the front doors on Sunday, more people come through here than anywhere else. So we hope that for those who do come here, that if they don't know Christ, they'll meet him here and they'll stay. And that's why it's called Christian Recreation Outreach. Because we pray not only will they come through these doors, but they'll make their way upstairs into our sanctuary. Dave, let's go outside next. How about that? David, we've stepped out of the cross center entrance out in our parking lot. Tell us the significance about where we are now. Well, Todd, here you get an up close view of the most significant feature of the new church and that's our cross it's backlit at night it stands i believe 27 feet tall by 19 feet wide and that noise you hear in the background of all the cars when they pass by at night they see the lit cross it provides a beacon of hope so to speak for the tens of thousands who travel eastbound on i-64 and it's the only um, semblance of a church between the eastern edge of Louisville and Winchester. So for about 75 miles, we're the only, uh, Forks is the only thing that travelers see. And I'm thankful that we've had people to visit the church who said they saw the cross on the interstate and they had to find out where it was and 
what church it was, and I've had church members to say going to work in Georgetown to Toyota early in the morning when it's still dark, they always receive encouragement and hope when they see the cross shining brightly. That's right. And during this COVID, to honor those who had uh, succumbed to the disease, it, it was backlit, it was green for a period of time. So, so, and again, it's the most significant feature of the church. And when we added the cross center, the architects said, leave the cross alone. And they designed around it to make sure that it, it was preserved as well. David, are we headed back in right now to check out another significant part of our church history? That's right. All Let's right. go. Let's do it. David, we come back inside in a transitional hallway from the cross center into our fellowship hall. And here's this picture. Tell us about what this picture means. Well, Todd, this picture was taken at Homecoming 220. It's a very special picture and it tells several different stories. And it's very innovative because we wanted to capture everybody who was there that day, but we had two services. So this, this was the result. The stories it tells is our preacher that day was Dr. John McKinney. He was our homecoming speaker on homecoming 210, or 220. He was also our homecoming speaker on Homecoming 210. This picture down here with Dr. McKinney includes a portion of our congregation that was there for Johnny's last, uh, Dr. McKinney's last message here. Um, that was right before you started. That was when the marker was placed across the road. These are the remnant. These are the people who are a part of the people who were on their knees praying God to lead them to, to a new place, to a, to a better place, to a bigger place. And it's through their prayers that we're here where we are today. Through that and God's mercy and grace. In addition, it tells another story. Over a 10-year period, we grew from this to this and it also tells a third story because if you see this picture and you see this is where we were in 210 this is where we are in 220 if you come to homecoming on home on celebration sunday you'll see what god's done from from 220 up until 233 so it really tells three stories uh, additionally um, God kind of had his hand in this as well because for this picture, we didn't have a photographer that day. Our photographer turned, it turned out that he uh, uh, had something come up at the last minute, so we were stuck. Lonnie Webster, Arvin Webster's son, just happened to be in town. And Lonnie just happens to be a photographer. And Lonnie just happened to be in church that Sunday and took these pictures. Uh, the picture was taken for Homecoming 220 and was presented Homecoming 221. It took a year to, to piece it all together. We um, 
accused Gail Sutherland of messing it up because his bright tie threw the color off and <laughs> we had to do some editing and all. But, but anyway, it's a very unique picture, uh, not only from the composition, but one of the things we wanted, the homecoming, homecoming committee wanted, is we wanted this picture hung low enough to where not only they could read the message, but they could see the faces. And we wanted glass on it that could be cleaned because everybody who stops and takes a look, they're doing this. <laughs> they're, they're pointing out that, you know, this is where I was and this is, you know, and things like that. And we've seen it. You know, I've seen parents scold their, their kids for, for pointing at them. And it's like, no, 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 that's what we want. We want Henry to be working on this all the time because, because people are, are looking at it. Now, as we've gone on, uh, and we've got new members, uh, they may not have been here now, but they come up and they point to the Judy Smiths, the Alma Hardys, the Nola Reeds, Billy Wrights, those who came before, and uh, those that they remember. So it's a really special uh, piece of history, and I encourage you to stop by and give it a look. That's awesome, David. And if you don't know, again, this is in a transition hallway from our fellowship hall into the Cross Center. So if you haven't seen it, make sure you come by and take a look. David, where are we headed next? Let's head upstairs before we go outside. Okay. David, we're in the hallway where we saw these beautiful renderings of our churches through the years. But at the end of the hall, we find this beautiful piece. Tell us about this. Well, Todd, this is a crocheted centerpiece that was done by one of our church members, Betty Young. Uh, Betty was uh, some kind of lady, and she was a powerful prayer warrior. Yes. And the, the notation here is, every stitch is a prayer is true. Every stitch she made on this, she had a prayer to go with it. I'm sure that a few of those are yours or for you. And I've often stood here and wondered which stitch is mine. Mm -hmm. So just thought it was an interesting thing that it, it's a reminder. Miss Young was, uh, this took an, ex an extreme amount of time, a lot of hard work but she was constantly in prayer while doing it. And I think it's a great reminder that we should be in prayer constantly as well. Amen. Betty Young was a prayer warrior and a godly lady, and we miss she and her husband, Ward. And Dave and I were just talking. Some of these things you might think, what's, what's so special? Well, it's things that we've taken for granted, David, mm -hmm. the beautiful pictures of the church and, and certainly this beautiful piece of art and work and the cross outside the building. So many things that maybe we have passed hundreds of times, right. but never stopped to truly think about what it means. David, I can't wait to see what's next. Where are we headed now? Let's go out front, Todd. Okay. David, we're outside our children's wing out front. And what's the significance about where we're standing here? Well, Todd, this location here is the original location for the original cross that was on our property. It marked the 
initial boundary of the seven acres that we bought from the hills. Um, that, sh that cross was uh, constructed by John Faisal, who you've mentioned did a tremendous amount of the work, the, the grade work for, for this site. Um, as I understood it, it, it was uh, he hand-hewn it or hand-carved it from a tree that had been blown down in a storm on his farm. That's right. And he erected it, I think, under the cover of darkness one Saturday night, and we came in Sunday, and there it was. So it was quite a surprise and, again, quite a reminder. Unfortunately, over time, termites and, and time took its toll on it. And we tried everything we could to, to keep it in place, but we were unable to. So a new cross was erected, and it's a replica of, of that which uh, John uh, made for us and gave to us. And that's where our final stop will be. Very good. Let's go, go over there now. David, we've made our way from where the original cross that John Faisal had made to this site. You want to tell us about this last stop here on our tour? Todd, this is a very special place. Um, this is what it's all about. And there's nothing that represents it more than this cross here. Um, this cross was erected. Um, I believe in 2015 when we dedicated the cross center and the, the children's wing. Uh, again, it's it's a replica of what John Faisal did for us. It's in a beautiful location. It's visible from the road. So it's the first thing passersby see when they, they come up duckers. It's also when you're here in the morning the sun's coming up over the thoroughbred farm over there there's hardly anything better and when the sun sets in the evening in the west over the trees over there again there's nothing better even at night the cross is lit up so that it's visible david i can't thank you enough i've so enjoyed i told you myself hearing all these beautiful stories and how they're all part of God's story. And it was God's plan from the very beginning that he would bring us into this beautiful place and then grow us in his likeness. And through the years, so many people have come to this cross. They've come here to pray. We hold our Good Friday services here early on Good Friday morning. People will park here throughout the week and pray. People comment about the shadow of the cross on the beautiful farm, but this is what it's all about. This is the highlight of our tour, that people would see Jesus and know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We pray that if you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, that you might be inspired and might be challenged to do so even now by confessing your sin, asking Christ to forgive you, inviting him to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. And you can begin your spiritual journey 
And you can see, as we have shown today, spiritual markers of how God has grown you and grown us on this great journey, this great story that he continues to write for Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you again, David, for doing an outstanding job for all of your work and your heartfelt prayer. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of Homecoming 233. We're going to close out this walking tour by going to the Lord in prayer. May we pray together. God, thank you so much for everything you've done, for all the people that have come to know Christ through the years at Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church. Because of the faithfulness of your people, the doors remain open. And God, you have enlarged our territory. As I made mention earlier, through the prayer of Jabez, we have prayed through the years, oh, that you would bless us and enlarge our territory. Let your hand be with us and keep us from harm so that we will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Thank you, God, for being a faithful guide, for expanding our territory. And may you continue to use this church and this cross as a lighthouse on the hill, drawing people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, bless each and every one who's watching this evening. Bless their families. Continue to bless Forts Corn Baptist Church because, Father, we still believe that the best is yet to come. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.